gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Gathering the Lamp podcast. As always, I'm your host Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined today by Mark. Hey, what's going on, guys? Mark Jerebi here. As always, you can find me on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. Got a little things to talk about. A lot of stuff that's not going to be comfortable to talk about, Regan, but we got to get through it. We got to talk about what happened against Manchester City and what the hell the Villa is going to do moving forward. Yeah, um, to, to start off with, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll just be gloss out, glossing over the the, uh, the one-all draw against Leicester City. You know, I think that was a good result. Um in the Carabao Cup, it, it leaves it, you know, all all square for the for the second leg at, at Villa Park, and it gives us something to play for. You know, we, we didn't get a massive drubbing at the King Power, um, and you know we could find ourselves in a in a Carabao Cup final against the uh, the team that gave us this massive massive drubbing uh, just yesterday. Yeah, I, I th- thought the uh, draw against Leicester, I thought it was a really good result. And I, re- I really thought that it wasn't something that I was actually thinking could happen. I thought we were going to, you know, get beat by Leicester pretty single handedly. But yeah, to see the boys go out there and, you know, play a formation they might not be too, too familiar with and just be able to, to get a draw to make it possible that if we can get to, to a final, that we can get back to Wembley is always going to be a positive thing. So I, I'm, I'm really elated with it. It's going to be curious to see what happens coming back to Villa Park now. But um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier with the draw. I think that was, you know, pretty much best case scenario for a team of where Villa are and for, you know, against a team of where Leicester are. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously two other things happened uh, in the middle of the week and that's Villa announced the signing of Danny Drinkwater on loan. Um, you know, he's a player that hasn't had much game time over the last two seasons, um, and especially not this season. I think he ma- uh, managed 60 minutes for Burnley uh, earlier in the season, which he surpassed against Man City. Um, and, you know, that's 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 a player that you wanted in, um, in our little transfer special last week, Mark. Yeah, I did. I think Danny Drinkwater has, you know, bags of Premier League experience. Obviously, he's won the Premier League title. Uh, he did not look great against Manchester City, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, but I, I just, I, I think you have to bring players in, especially with McGinn being out for a little bit longer. You know, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a couple more players that actually do come in. I know a lot of people don't have confidence in that, but I think Danny Drinkwater is a good start just to kind of round out that midfield a little bit, maybe get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a different edge and a little bit of a, you know, some experience, some actual Premier League experience in there. So I don't think it's a bad loan signing. I think a midfielder had to come in. I'd like it to be, and it was to be somebody that has, you know, the experience within the league. Yeah, and obviously, um, in on on the subject of other players coming in, it was announced uh, just before the weekend that Aston Villa had um, kind of secured Pepe Reina, the thirty-seven-year-old uh, former Liverpool goalkeeper, currently plying his trade at AC Milan. Um, that hasn't been announced as we're recording, and not been announced officially anyway. Um, 
but you know he was seen at Villa Park watching the game, so it looks like it's going to be a done deal. Uh, what do you think about Pepe Reina joining? You know, do, do you think he takes the number one spot from from Oyen Nealand, or do you think he's uh, he's going to be sitting on the bench for a couple of weeks? I'm not actually sure. I don't, I don't know what their what their plan is to bring in Pepe Reina. Um, I I said it in our transfer special podcast that I did think we needed to bring a goalkeeper in. Again, I think it's that Villa tried to bring in all these p- players that maybe didn't have Premier League experience or haven't played at the height of heights, and now all of a sudden they're realizing that might not have been a great idea. So let's go get some more experienced bodies through the door. Uh, losing Tom Heaton's a lot bigger than people realize. Um, I think that's quickly becoming a little evident. Um, I, and it's no knock on Nyland. I like Nyland as a goalkeeper. I, I do really, you know, love watching him play. I think a lot of the goals that go past him, you know, that we've, that we've seen aren't necessarily his fault. I think he's gotten a lot better since he's walked through the door. Um, yeah, but with Pepe Reina, I don't know if, if he gets thrown right in. It, it might be one of those things where Dean is like, Hey, I need an experienced keeper and he's going to be my guy. So it would be, I think it'd be a little hard on Nyland. I don't think he's done anything necessarily lose his position even after the hiding from Manchester City. But I know that that, that splits opinion right down the middle. A lot of people think that he should have done better for some of the goals that were conceded. But I mean, you're facing a world class team like City. So it's, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, you're supposed to stop 25 yard rockets from outside of the box. Of course, um, and with the with the Rainer deal, it's it's touted as being a six month loan with the potential to become permanent if Aston Villa stay in the Premier League. Um, but th- then again, you know you, you you've got to look at the fact that you know Steers back from injury next month or so, um, and then Heaton you would think would be back um, the start of of next season, perhaps the season after. Uh, not the season after, sorry, uh, the month or so after. Um, so, you know, if we were to stay up, that would leave us with with a, a large swathe of goalkeepers. You know, we already had a large swathe of goalkeepers, but I guess it's up to the club whether they uh, whether they go through with that if, if they stay up. Yeah, and it's going to be a big question to be asked because you honestly have to think, like, you know, in the event that Villa does stay up and Pepe Reina, you know, does want to stay at Villa, um, you know, does he automatically become the number one and is Nyland behind him? Or when Steer comes back, is Steer behind him? Or, you know, then you're throwing Heaton into the mix. Obviously, you know, Heaton's getting paid a lot of money to to play in the Premier League at Aston Villa. So, I mean, I don't know. Heaton and Pepe Reina is your number one and number two. Not so bad, but what are you going to do with the other three keepers? There'll be four keepers with Sarkic. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of, you know, goalkeepers we have around the club and whatnot. I, I, I still think that Jed Steer's got a part to play in this, but I think that's just how much I like Jed Steer, Regan. So, I mean, it, it it's, it's a very opinionated kind of take, but I, I don't think that... I don't think it's in Villa's best interest to keep Pepe Reina past this year. But if the clause is that we stay up, we don't really have a choice. And that's kind of what, you know, he wants. He wants to stay at a place for a while instead of getting sent out on loans, uh, various places. Then that's just the way it's got to be. Yeah, let, let's get into the, uh, the, the the last game that we played, obviously, uh, yesterday against Man City. Um, and, you know, we were, we were handed an absolute spanking by the citizens and... You know, the the 6-1 scoreline wasn't exactly uh, indicative of what the supporters would like to see from Dean Smith and and Villa as a whole, no matter how kind of brilliant the opposition might be. Yeah, I mean, you can't... There's a difference between getting 
getting spanked and there's a difference between getting spanked willingly <laughs> it kind of seemed like I, I watched the game back a couple times after the first time um I always do no matter if it's a win or a loss or in this case you know you know watching Villa just get absolutely destroyed um there was just there there wasn't a lot of fight in that team it seemed as soon as the first goal for Manchester City happened it, it seemed like their heads dropped they were looking down at their boots players weren't talking to each other it's just, it's just it all fell apart with a single goal and then it just continued to get worse for me and I, that that's not good enough you got to have work rate as players you got to have some respect for yourself and the club that you play for um i don't i don't know why it was i don't know if it's mental fragility i don't i just don't know what happened there it was it's very especially watching it back you see some of the decisions on the ball and you see how players aren't marking back and you see how players aren't putting in a tackle and it's it's actually shocking it's it's a little worrisome for me yeah there, there was a visible lack of commitment um from from villa's players on the pitch you know um oyen neeland uh, made his full premier league debut uh, for villa whilst danny drinkwater also made his debut um, obviously after joining from Chelsea on loan earlier in the week. Um, and it, it didn't really take very long for Man City to, to get out what they're known for. Um, you know, uh, a pass was played uh, across the field and Kevin De Bruyne kind of dummies it um, and it falls to Red Morris in acres of space. I don't know where Neil Taylor was in that in that situation. Um but you know, it falls to Mares, and Mares kind of dribbles past Danny Drinkwater, who puts in a half-hearted tackle past Courtney Hawes, and uh, slams it into the bottom corner of the net. And, you know, it, that's not the greatest start for Villa. Um, it's not the greatest start for for uh, Courtney Hawes or, or Danny Drink, Drinkwater either. Um, but, you know, d- d- did you feel this was coming? Because I, I thought before this goal, I thought that Villa looked, you know, okay. That they. they they were inviting on a lot of pressure, but I didn't think, you know, at that point that we were going to be, you know, losing 6-1. No, no, no. At this point of the game, I thought the Villa, it, for all intents and purposes, looked like they had things about as under control as you would expect Aston Villa to have against Manchester City. Um, I, I didn't think that it was going to turn into a, a bloodbath, basically. Uh, I, for me, the Mares goal leading up to it... I. I kind of felt like Villa were keen on the counterattack a little bit. Like even in the opening like minute, minute and a half, we looked really lively on the ball. And I know it's right out the gate. There's a lot of nerves, you know, a lot of adrenaline's going and everything. But we looked pretty decent leading up to this goal. And I, I don't know, I don't know what Drinkwater or Courtney Horse was thinking <laughs> for, for you know, and trying to mark Mares. Like I, I don't know. These these are really talented players. You need to be at your best. You need to be turned on. You need to be sharp about it. And I, I don't know. He walked. He, I basically walked, dribbled. I mean, you can call it what it is, uh, right past Drinkwater, and then House is rooted because I don't think he expected Danny Drinkwater to put in such a lame tackle. So I mean, it was it was disheartening to see. But like like I said to a little bit ago, it's just as soon as that goal goes in, the body language of the players just looks absolutely like it. It's it's not positive body language, and it, it seems like something happened to where collectively the team was like, oh shit at the same exact time <laughs> and you, you can't be you can't do that you have to you have to like stay switched on it's a one nil and then I, I don't know it seems like they they didn't really ever get it back for the remainder of this game yeah and I mean <sighs> there was just like a collective head drop wasn't there after this goal came in and um, five minutes later, Mares made short short work of the Villa defence again you know Aguero found himself under pressure in the uh in the Villa box, um, 
and you know he managed to kind of stop the ball from going out of play and play it to David Silva. Um, and David Silva, I can't remember who put in like a really, really kind of half-hearted tackle there. But David Silva was able to to find Mahrez all alone, unmarked in the box, and uh, he slotted it past Nealon to make it two 0 after twenty-three minutes. And you know, it, it was a it was a little flash of brilliance from Aguero to be able to keep that ball in. You know, he was under pressure from probably two players. I know one of them was Ahmed Al Um I, It was Drinkwater that had the the lame tackle again um, for uh, the, the the David Silva pass. Um, so you know, whilst it was simple play from City, you know there was a flash of brilliance from Aguero. But what what do you think was going through you know the, the squad's mind at this point, and, and namely Drinkwater's mind when he when he puts in or attempts to put in that tackle? Yeah, it was a little strange um, for Danny Drinkwater. He definitely had a, a moment, and it may have been a brief moment, but he definitely had a moment to clear this ball out. And he almost like turns around and like he's looking almost like towards Neil Taylor. Which is strange. Like he starts looking to like the left side of the field. Like no, dude, just just get it out. Like it's it's Man City. You're in danger area. Panic stations. Red alerts should be going off in your head. Get the ball out. Um, so yeah, he kind of made like a little bit of a lame tackle that ended up just going through to Mares. I I think as far as going through the team's mind, I think you know with the second goal, not now they knew they were in, in serious trouble. You know it, the. The first goal was supposed to be the wake-up call and ended up being the start of the nightmare. And then the second one was like, okay, we're really in a nightmare now. Uh, they just didn't look well. Uh, again, you know, you got to give Aguero all the credit in the world. There's a reason why he's going to retire as one of the best Premier League players of all time, at, at least for my money. Um, you know, so he keeps the ball in and you're not really expecting him to. A bad tackle leads to a goal. These are mistakes that are being punished. And Dean Smith can, you know, talk about it over and over again. And not even just Smith, a lot of coaches, they say in the Premier League, if you make a mistake, teams are going to pounce on you. And this is a Pep Guardiola, you know, managed Manchester City team. He, his entire career has been about that. You put people into, you know, bad positions, you make them, almost force them into making a mistake or to, you know, try to play their way out of something. And you end up conceding the goal. And that's the way, you know, Pep's, he's talked about it on many different occasions, different like talks about tactics, you know, making traps for teams, things of that nature. And then you have the talent level of the squad available to him. So it's going to be really tough. But I think the Villa players, they knew they were in for, you know, they were in for a bad day as soon as the second goal hits the back of the net. Yeah, and that, obviously that second goal um, left Villa looking quite flat-footed and you know lifeless from this point onwards. And uh, it was it was Sergio Aguero again um, that had a big role to play, um, and he he netted the third just five minutes later. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne found him in a central position um, before Aguero kind of raced forward and fired from just outside the box. And uh, Oyan Nealon manages to get a hand to it, but couldn't stop the ball from hitting the back of the net. And you know it was clear at this point that you know the the, the absolute gulf in ability on the day between the two teams. Um, it looked like it looked like it was more of a training exercise for for City more than you know a, a proper Premier League game. Yeah, I think it really was. I think this goal with um, from Aguero in the twenty eighth. This was the one that had the twenty or twenty two consecutive passes from City that led to the goal. Um, so yeah, it, it just looked like they were just walking through Villa. Villa didn't have any bite. You know, it was there was just nothing, nothing they could have really done. And you know, you can see they were trying to change things. They were trying to go out wide a little bit. And this is all just for me watching the game. You know, back a couple times, different. You know, goals, different. You know, things like that, situational stuff. You know, me being a football nerd, that's just, that, that's how I diagnose a game. So, you know, um, 
Dean Smith almost like the players were hugging the touchlines a little bit to try to force City into the middle. That didn't work. Then he got a little, it seemed like the players got a little bit more narrow. That didn't work. Then you start dropping Jack from the top. He was actually um, standing next to Al Ghazi for the opening about eight to 12 minutes. And then that stops. He, he Jack goes back to a number 10 role. So Dean Smith was trying to do something. People said like, oh, he's not changing anything around. No, he, he really was. The width of that team, the entire team was going back and forth. He was trying to find a happy medium to, you know, at least it seemed that. That way, if he was shouting instructions out there, we all saw him, you know, shouting, you know, his head off. He wasn't happy about things, so he was trying to change things, but it just, nothing was really working. And like you said, it seemed like it, it, it really just came off like a training exercise for a team like Manchester City. Yeah, and obviously at the end of the first half, just right on the brink, uh, Kevin De Bruyne had a huge role to play again. You know, he played an inch perfect pass, probably one of the the, the best uh, passes or movements in in that entire game. Um, into space for Gabriel Jesus, who uh, you know ran towards the back post and finished well. Um, you know, De Bruyne received the ball. Uh, you know, short burst of pace, and he, he he's leaving four Aston Villa players for dead there. You know, turns on the style and puts a perfect through ball towards the back post, and you know, Jesus is there to, to finish. Um, you know, what were your thoughts with the the four nil half time score? You know, do you think it was always on the cards? We're expecting a little bit more from City, a little bit more from Villa. Um, you know, there, there were there were claims at half time saying that you know the work rate wasn't high enough, there wasn't enough drive, and and the Villa players had let themselves down. I I felt the same way, and like, listen, I I came into this game as a as a supporter thinking, like, okay, we're probably not going to win this game, but let's just put a good in accounting of ourselves. Like, if it was it, like three one, I'd have been okay with a three one defeat. I'd have been okay with a four one defeat, not with six one, and not the way that they did it. Like you said, the the work rate and the drive just wasn't there. Uh, for me, it's it it just wasn't good enough on a on a personal standpoint. Like the the players let themselves down. You know, they let the club down. They let the supporters down with this. And I again, it is Manchester City, but you have have to at least try you have to show that you're actually trying out there and with that this Kevin De Bruyne goal you know right before halftime there I mean Kevin De Bruyne is one of the best talents in the world from a midfield position there's no doubt about that I like watching Kevin De Bruyne play because he does things like this but he literally dropped four Aston Villa players like into his path and they were all in that weird middle ground of like okay you either need to go and put him on the ground or just try to get try to outpace him and get back you know to help out the defense neither of those things happen so now you have Kevin O'Brien curling a ball and then again it's it's just a really sick piece of skill that he was able to find you know Gabriel Jesus but again I wasn't expecting Villa to win this game by any means we weren't obviously we weren't favored you know obviously we're down in the table and whatnot but you have to put a good account on yourselves it's just it was really embarrassing even at 4-0 at a halftime you know it was just it was just a really embarrassing thing to see well, in my head, I was thinking, you know, we're not the first team to 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 get a spank in from from Man City, and we certainly won't be the last. You know, you've only got to look at Watford earlier in the season. Um, they, you know, they got a huge, huge drubbing at the hands of City at home, um, and you, you've got to look at Leicester and Southampton. You know, um, that was what nine nil. Relatively early on in the season, but neither side has let the, those results define define them. And you know that's what that's what Dean Smith said. He said a six one loss to Manchester City, uh, you know, is is not going to define um, not not going to define Villa season. Um, and that's exactly what was going through my head at halftime. You know, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, it's not nice. It's not a nice experience. 
etc etc but it's not going to define where we finish this season because a, a win generally was never on the cards yeah and I, I we briefly spoke about it about the like games about games against top six teams this season yeah you want to go there and you you want to put it on a good account of yourself you want to play you know with the pedal to the floor and play this beautiful brand of attracting football and that sounds nice in theory but that's so hard to pull off sometimes um i do agree with dean smith's comments about that 6-1 will not define this season i don't think it will either um if we stay up we kind of look back at this and be like oh you know we've got to learn from those kind of experiences um and and that will happen i i think villa's they're they're getting into the area now of the season to where it's it's not I want to say make or break but you have you have to start making some things happen um even you could still lose to Manchester City and and put on a good account of yourself that might give you a little bit of positives for the next game it was so hard in this game to find a positive like all the positives came from um like the last what the last kick of the game basically so I, I don't know it's a little hard but I do agree with you that you know, Southampton goes down nine nil, and and they they end up you know turning their season around a little bit. But yeah, it's just, it was just one of those embarrassing things where I, I knew a defeat was on the cards. I just didn't think it was going to be this kind of scoreline. Yeah, um, and you know, City grabbed their fifth in uh, probably around ten minutes into the second half, and it was uh, David Silva again picking a pass for Aguero, who uh, who had already become the joint high scoring foreign import into the Premier League with his earlier goal and uh, you know Aguero doubled his tally with this shot uh, and then you know moved ahead of Thierry Henry to become the all-time uh, high scoring foreign import so you know it, it was it was an important game for Aguero and he was always going to score against you know a team that whilst it's not nice to hear it that is struggling at the bottom end of the table yeah Aguero is a great talent like I said he's going to be regarded as one of the best best players that ever that ever played in the Premier League. Um he's he's done it all. He can score from anywhere on the pitch. He's he's very very passionate. I I I do fancy him as a player. I mean, he's just it it's it's Manchester City. They have so much talent around that, you know, there's other players that contributed to his success, of course. Like it's it's not only a singular player. Usually it's it's a team around others that make a player great as well. So I I think that he's he's a he's a marvelous talent, but yeah, this was something I think that he might have had a little bit of in his mind that hey, I got I'm going to be on my best today against this Villa team. I'm going to you know stick the misery to him just a little bit more for the simple fact that I know that I'm in closing distance of of a personal and individual accolade. Yeah, um, and uh, while you've just said marvelous, it reminded me. What did you, what did you think of Dino's uh, substitutions in the game? You know, um, Nakamba came on. I think he replaced uh, Douglas Louise. And then we had uh, Henry Lansbury replacing Danny Drinkwater and um, Trezeguet replacing Conor Horahan. T- to me, you know, the, the Lansbury and Nakamba subs especially are, you know, let's try not make this as embarrassing as it po- possibly could be. Substitutions, you know, there was no real need for them. There was no real positive that could come out of them. It was just, I guess, to try not to continue conceding. Yeah, I, I think you're you're completely right there. I think that it was uh, I have nothing else to do, so I might as well try to get some fresh legs and see if maybe these guys do a little bit better. Um, I thought Trez played all right. I thought Trezeguet played all right when he came on, but I mean, 
playing even mediocre at that point in time would make you know make it look good for a player in a villa shirt um i i know i sound incredibly downtrodden about it but i mean it is what it is there has to be you know an air of honesty and it just it just wasn't a good performance but i think marvelous coming on was was decent i think he looked all right um i think trez looked all right henry lansbury i'm still i'm still waiting i'm just just waiting to see some things from him when he's when he's gonna pop up um so yeah, I, I think that the substitutions were a little indicative of Dino being like, well, I, I don't really have anything else that I can do with this kind of a scoreline, so let's get some players maybe a little extra minutes or you know change things around a little bit tactically. And, and he did that, but it, it wasn't major changes, but it was enough changes that you know bringing Nakamba on and you know things of that nature. So I I I, I, I agree with you that the substitutions were a little weird and the timing of them was a little strange. But I, I think that he he was like, okay, well, we we're not obviously we're not getting back into this, so let's let's get some other players on the pitch. Yeah, um, you know, with Drinkwater, you know, it was it was a, a debut to forget, I suppose. Um, do, but you know, do, do you think, um, you know, do do you think it's it, it it's something to to read too too much into, or you know, is it not fair to judge Drinkwater uh, by you know, it was almost like a baptism of fire that Dino gave him just straight into um, straight into a game against the reigning champions. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's fair at all to judge him by this one game. You're playing against Manchester City. Uh, again, it sounds, sounds like I'm just banging on that drum, but it, it's true. They're a very, very, very good team. We all know that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a little unfair to judge him and his ability by one game. Again, he got thrown into the squad. I don't know if I would have made that decision personally to throw a drink water right in. I, I probably would have made him. Um, I probably would have put him on the bench, had him come in in the event something you know went terribly wrong. Uh, just for the experience and maybe a little bit of leadership qualities. So yeah, he did. He did have a stinker of a game. I'm not going to hide away from that. The first two goals were almost explicitly his, not his fault, but he, he definitely contributed to them in a negative way. Um, so yeah, I, I I would hope to know. I would. How can I put this without without sounding weird? I would hope to think that Villa fans are a little bit more rational than that to let one game be like, oh, there we go. We're already, already signing bums that, you know, their their best days are past them and, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything and look at him giving two goals away. Just practice some patience. He's going to have to get settled in just like any other human being would be going to a new club. So I, I think the, the verdict's still out on, on Danny Drinkwater. I don't think you can judge him supremely from this. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think there are areas of the, of his game that you can you can judge him on, but at the same time, you can't say that you know that the signings are dud or anything like that because you know it's his first game, and as I said, it, it's a baptism of fire. Um, later in the game, ten minutes before before time, really, uh, Aguero broke another Premier League record with his twelfth ever hat trick in the eighty first minute. Um, and it was it was a lax pass from Courtney Hawes um, that allowed uh, it, it was just straight at a, a City midfielder. I can't remember who the midfielder was, but uh, that, that that player played through uh, Aguero, who fired high past Nyland and into the net. Um, and so, you know, you know, two two records broken in one game for Aguero. I think that's the the most amount of hat tricks for a Premier League player. Um, so it show it kind of shows the the the. Um, the, the kind of quality that we were up against. 
Yeah, it's it's I I think it's eye opening to a lot of Aston Villa supporters, and I think that's why they're 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 more than just a little agitated, you know. Especially you know the day after the game, there's people waking up and thinking about it and be like, I can't believe that happened. But yeah, there, there's definitely a golfing class. There's definitely levels to teams in the Premier League, and City are on the the, the top level of it right now, and Villa aren't, and it it, it, it sucks. And I know I know it's it's it'll give people uneasy feelings, but it, this kind of thing really really does show how how great of a team Manchester City are, how great of a manager Pep Guardiola. Is the culture within that club? Yeah, you can call it the empty head and, and say that you know their fans are plastic and all these different things. But the fact remains that football team's damn good. That coach is damn good. We got we all got shown it. If you're a Villa fan, you got it shown on on a Sunday where you're the only game that's on. You know the whole world saw how how better Manchester City are than Villa. It is embarrassing, but you know again, there's a part of my mind that that's something that Villa you know should. You know, try to learn from the and the best ability that they can. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be embarrassing. But at the same time, one possibly one one of the top maybe five assembled Premier League teams of all time. I don't I don't think that's a bad shout. Yeah, I think the current Liverpool squad's probably around there as well. Um, but you know, I guess you've got to take the positives when they come, and. Um, one did come with the last kick of the game, and that was with uh, Anwar Al Ghazi scoring Aston Villa's first Premier League penalty of the season. You know we've had three, uh, we've missed two of them, and uh, luckily Anwar netted the third on the third attempt. You know, third time lucky. Um, so that that is a little positive we can take into the next game, but at the same time, it's you know the positives were few and far between against City. Yeah, there wasn't a lot to, to draw from as, as far as like, okay, well, next game, these are the things we got to work on. I think it was an all the way around, you know, 360 degree. We need to get this thing a little better. And, you know, again, the competition that they were up against, you can't pick it. You can only try to play against it. But, you know, this game coming up at the weekend at Brighton and then the two games after, they start becoming very, very important. I think we got Bournemouth in there as well. So, yeah, this this, this ship's got to turn around and get and get back to, to winning ways or at least competitive ways very, very quickly here. It's going to we're, we're going to find ourselves talking about, you know, Bristol City next season. Yeah, and, you know, after the game, D- Dean Smith made comments um, claiming that the, the, the three City players that scored, Aguero, Jesus and Mares, um, were mer- were worth more than the entire Aston Villa squad. Um, you know, in terms of prices paid for them, you know, Villa spent £133 million in the summer and City's uh, Mares, Jesus, and Aguero cost one hundred and twenty-five million pounds, but obviously in present-day market value, you know, um, you could argue that that he's not he's not really got that wrong there. You know, I'd say Mares is probably worth sixty, seventy million. Um, Jesus, uh, probably the same, if not more, because of his age, his young age. And Aguero, I'd probably say uh, it's a hard one with Aguero because whilst he is a prolific forward, obviously he's he's coming towards the twilights of his, his Premier League career, at least. Um, but you know, in 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 the market value terms, Smith was bang on. But you know, should should comments like these be taken lightly? Um, or, or you know, is it is it something that Villa fans should read into a bit more? I don't know. Uh, for me, I think he just kind of misspoke. I don't, I don't think for a second he was talking about the you know what they paid for those players to start. It, it is a baffling comment if you take it that way. Um, I don't. I think Dean Smith's way way more intelligent than that. I think he meant like 
current market value of right now. And even Aguero, like for me, even in the twilight of his his career, I don't think you can really put up money like some on him as far as his transfer value because he means so much to that squad. Uh, he, he does a lot for that team. Uh, he, he even, I can't remember what, what, what outlet it was, but I was reading something where he, he actually like pulls players to the side and they'll, they'll go and look on one of like the iPads and stuff and he'll talk about how he likes to make his runs. And, you know, and that's general teammate stuff really, but like for Aguero, you wouldn't really expect that from him. I think he kind of has, uh, a lot of people look at Aguero and think that he might be a little stuck up or he he might be a little bit of a snotty player, but I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's just really good at what he does. He's probably a really, really nice guy, but I don't think you can put a, a money value on him right now. And I, I think you're bang on with the Jesus and the Mares thing. Um, yeah, so I, I think Dean kind of just like kind of misspoke, but some people took this thing to heart, man, and they like, you know, like personally attacking Dean Smith on Twitter, like you don't even know how much you spent in the summer and ha ha ha, ha and all this kind of thing, and you click on your profile, and I'm like, you're a Villa fan, like why why are you throwing why are you throwing Dean Smith under the bus? Like obviously he didn't mean it that way, so I I don't think it, it's a it's a case for worrying, but a lot of people like lost their head around around that comment, which is very strange. Yeah, and you know there were more comments after the game um, from from Jack Grealish as well, who evidently didn't look too thrilled when speaking to Sky Sports. Um, you know, he, he refused to dig out his teammates, but the captain had no explanation um, when he was asked why his team performed the way they did. You know, he admitted that the work rate was poor on the pitch, um, and that they'd have to have a serious look in the D roof in a few days' time. Um, you know, it's never fun about having a bad game. Per- uh, talking about having a bad game personally, but it's even less fun to talk about the entire team having a bad game. You know, uh, do you think it's it? Do you think there's any need to worry after that result, or is it just par for the course? You know, do we need to just dust ourselves down, roll our sleeves up, and uh, and go again, as as Steve Bruce would say? For me, when it comes to, I'll talk about the supporters first. For the supporters, it sucks. It's terrible. It's it's a, it's a really shitty feeling. Um, the players are going to be the same way, but the, for the supporters, you got to you got to try to put this behind you quickly. Like there was people acting like you know, just a, a terrible life moment happened, and it is terrible, and it, it's not not fun to see. But you got to get over it. There's a lot of other games left, and especially they're going to come up quick and fast. Where Villa need to play better. I would hope that that's the case. Um, but yeah, that again, one of the better teams in the Premier League. We got a hiding. Get over it. That's, that's, that's pretty much as simple as I can put it. Now, on the player standpoint, I want them to get a little bit angry about this, and I want to see it come through at Brighton on the weekend. And then I want to see it translate you know, to the game after and the game after. I, I think, again, I think this team's incredibly too nice. Dean Smith talked about it in the post-match game of the City game where you, we weren't touching players. We weren't, we, the physicality wasn't there. They weren't even trying to get in front of guys. They were just letting them go. That's not good enough. Get get a little angry. Get a little pissed off. I, I need to see that. I, that that'll keep you... You know, it, 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 at the very least, it'll make other teams try to start to think like, okay, well, if they're gonna, you know, mark us a little tighter, get a little physical, how do we play around that? It just seems like there's too much nicety going on on that pitch, and you, you, it, it it's got to change for me. There's there's no there's no bite in that team right now. Something has to happen. I don't know if they need a kick in the ass. I don't know if you know you got to have have to start having club legends walking there and talk about the pride of this club. I don't know what's you know what's gonna happen, but you know the players need to get mad and and. The supporters need to get over it because I, I think that a, that a defeat was always on the cards for this one. Talking about players with a little bit of bite, um, 
you know, we saw it midweek from Anwar Al Ghazi, you know, who 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 made a tackle to kind of stop a, a Leicester City um, counter attack. You know, he made some important tackles uh, yesterday as well. Um, but do you think Anwar could be a serious option as a striker going forward? You know, I think he was, you know, Villa's most. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was the best attacking outlet on the pitch, and obviously you'd expect him to be playing as a striker. But, um, you know, I don't think he's necessarily performed bad when he's played there. I think his frame is that of a striker. Um, you know, he's fast, he's strong, and I think he could do well there. Um, but, you know, we've, we're trying to sort out transfer targets, um, and that needs to happen sooner rather than later. But, you know, until that is done, I have no issues with playing El Ghazi as a striker. I don't either, and I think it's kind of an audition of form by Dean Smith to put in Ghazi there. Look, you got to put somebody there. Um, I, I know he's not comfortable throwing Vasilev into the deep end. He, he's shown that. Um, Keenan Davis is still having problems. So I, I think that Anwar getting the minutes, and he's getting big minutes. He wasn't subbed off at all for City, and he did have a, a few patterns of play in this game that were positive. Uh, he got pushed out wide a lot, but I think that's just natural when, when you're playing a team like City. They collapse that midfield into their own uh, third of the pitch pretty well, so it makes anybody that's up top maybe trying to make the run behind, forces them out to the flanks a little bit. But it, I think that when he had his opportunities, he tried to make something happen. It's just hard with the, you know the class that you're playing against. Um, I I like him as a striker. I I think that that could work. It, I don't know if that's how it's going to be for the rest of his time at Aston Villa. Um, I think this might be just a makeshift thing. And Dino probably went to a couple of his winger options and said, "Hey, have you played here? Are you comfortable playing here? Is it something you might want to you know give it a shot? If not, I'll try try to ask somebody else about it." That's kind of how things have to go when you're in a bit of an injury crisis and you don't have. A a lot of depth on top of it so um I, I don't have a problem with anwar being there but i i saw more than more than a handful of people on on um twitter claim that we'd probably be better going to city with a strikerless formation but i dean smith's not going to do that he's not going to roll out a team sheet that looks like he's not even trying to win the game yeah and you know d- despite the bad result as well we've, we've got to talk about the immense support uh coming from from the villa fans uh you know from the whole tend um especially during the City game. You know, there, there were videos that came up on social media um, that, that, you know, there, there was people within the local area recording the stadium and you could hear the supporters absolutely screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, with, with the LA, LA, LA song, um, Villa Till I Die. And, you know, it, it was a true testament to the diehard Villa fans. And, you know, it, it might have stung, you know, um, with the result um, you know, they certainly stung City fans a little bit with uh, the the whole uh, "you'll never sing that" about conquering Europe and being European champions. Um, but yeah, big big round of applause to the Villa fans during that game because you you, you certainly made yourselves and the uh, the club very proud. Yeah, I can only echo those sentiments. I I, th- I thought it was a beautiful thing. Um, they they were loud enough that uh you know in, in a packed pub and even through a television I, I heard it and the, the television was on a pretty low volume. And then uh, after the game, seeing the videos of you know the whole end beat going absolutely nuts and singing Villa till I die. Um, that that it kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit. And uh, for me, that, that's that's one of the the prouder things that I I love about supporting a team like Villa is that no matter how bad it gets, these supporters are going to be there. Or, you know, they're going to support this team no matter what. It's, it, you know, Villa Tell I Die is a nice song and everything, and it's a nice thing to say, but when you actually, you know, prove it with being able to sing when your team's getting absolutely shelled, 
Um, that that's a big thing. Uh, you don't see that in a lot of other arenas of sport. Um, you know, football. Yeah, it's a little different. You do have you know good support up and down the country over there in England, but um, over here you would never see something like that happen. Um, so like for me, like I got a little emotional about it, knowing that you know the, these hardworking you know people um, that may not have the means to attend every football game, and they go to a game like this, or they're gifted tickets, or however it goes, and then they see this you know this absolute you know their team basically getting stomped on, and they they still have it in their body, and it's still something to where they can they can sing about, and they're prideful and they're passionate about who they support. Um, again, it doesn't happen every day. So for, for me, being an American and, and supporting this club and just seeing how, how much it means to them just supporting Villa, you know, through the thick and the thin, it's a beautiful thing. I'll never get sick of hearing it, never. No, absolutely not. Um, so the next game for Villa uh, comes this weekend at the American Express Stadium. Um, and, and Villa really need a complete reversal of what they showed against Man City. You know, it wouldn't be the first time that... You know, Villa have been embarrassed um, in a result and then come back and won the next game. Um, you know, Brighton have won one game in their previous seven Premier League games, which means that technically Villa are in better form. Uh, but Villa find themselves in 18th position at the moment. And really, if there was ever a time that games became must-win, um, it, it, I would say it's now. You know, the next three games are against Brighton, Watford and Bournemouth, all teams on the wrong end of the table, all teams that well, especially Watford and Bournemouth that are involved in a relegation battle. Um, you know, surely, Mark, this is this is the make or break time for Villa. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it earlier when we were talking about it and I accidentally said make or break, but um yeah, for me, I, I think it's it's about time. I mean, these three games, it's this I think and I mean me and you've talked about it a lot, but I think these three games either solidify or you see Dean Smith out the door. I, I think it's it's gonna have to be these. I, I'm not saying they need to pick up nine points, but you you gotta I you gotta find at least two wins out of these next three games somehow. I don't care. I don't care which way Villa does it. They have to find six points out of these next three games to have a serious chance of staying up in this league. Um, I don't I don't want to see any any you know crazy things happen as far as management changes. I don't want to see you know the revolving door of it all. But like this this is absolutely right now. Like you know we talked about oh we'll see how. These players, Joe, and we'll talk about you know all these all these like little you know, consistent th- things. And uh, now we we found ourselves all of a sudden smack dab in the middle of a relegation scrap, and now you have to pick up points. And now this is when the manager has to show, for me at least, that he can get this team motivated and that he can get this team wanting to stay in this league. And it, it's it's gonna it's gonna suck real bad if Villa go down again. But I mean, it, you, these are these are the stretches of games where where you have to get something out of. I don't know how you feel about it, but you know I'm I'm starting to get into that like Mark Jerebi panic mode where I'm like shit. I don't I like are we really going to go down? And I, I'm not happy with that. So Dean Smith, the players have to show me a little bit something in, in this next three weeks to to you know get my confidence back a little bit. Yeah, I think that, and I think you know the the next week or so is so important in terms of getting the right personnel through the door. Um, you know, drink water's already through. Uh, Pepe Reina should be announced, you know, sometime. <coughs> excuse me, today or tomorrow. Um, but it's all about that forward. Um, don't look for a winger yet. Leave that towards the, the last stages of the window. We need and you know a proper striker so we can we can play our players in the positions that we want them to play, and we can play them without having to you know like be as dynamic as they have had to be. You know, with the front three of Trezeguet and Grealish and El Ghazi. Um, but yeah, we need we need to sort something out, and we need to sort something out quick. 
Yeah, and I, the transfer thing is is, is going to be big, and I, I, as the days go by, I'm getting a little bit more nervous and a little bit more nervous about it. And I think it's the fact that no one wants to come. I think any football player would love to play in the Premier League. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think Villa's a destination right now for people with with the way they play. And now you're getting embarrassed. It's the only game on a Sunday. What would make a player want to come here unless you're throwing absolutely crazy sums of money at them? So I don't know. There's just there's so many intangibles involved right now. Everything's so situational. But these next three games are massive. Like every one of them. Every one of the league games are absolutely massive. So I... I just I I would hope that Dean Smith has enough in his in in his knowledge as as a manager as a former player he's got to find a way to sit down these players and you know a couple of weeks ago they talked about having one of those uncomfortable debriefs where I guess guys were talking about what they like what they don't like about each other Jack Grealish made mention of it I can't remember after which game it was but they you know they said they came together and had some you know some not nice conversations or something of the like and I think you need to have more of those like keep keep at it like I, I just there's got to be something that happens, and I don't want to say signings are going to turn this team around, but Dino's got a big, big job on his hands here. we got, we got to do all we can to make sure we stay up in this league. Absolutely, and I think uh, I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. Um, you know, If you've got any comments to make, make sure you, you leave comments uh, on our Twitter or Facebook uh, when we post this podcast. Uh, as always, please give us a like, comment, subscribe, rating, all that jazz on whatever platform that you're listening on. Um, if you would like to follow us on social media, keep up to date with all the content that we're providing, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Um, and thank you for listening, guys. You know, uh, it's not the easiest time. Uh, to be listening to Aston Villa content or reading Aston Villa content at the moment, especially after such a drab result. But we thank you for listening. Uh, We'll hope to see you with a more positive podcast next week. Thanks for listening and up the villa.